today what I'm going to do is cover healing <laughs> um, and the reason for that is that's that's where we need to be healing um, and, and this is psychological healing this is doing all of the things that we can do to help us cope with the trauma of the lockdown and pandemic which is has been considerable and will continue to be considerable even if coronavirus disappeared in a puff of smoke never to be seen again the side effects and knock-on effects from this period for things like healthcare and mental health are really significant uh, added to which everything's changed um, yeah. a lot of people's jobs have moved online and there's an awful lot of career anxiety and then a lot of health anxiety as well so there's a whole bundle of things i won't go through all of the the details of it uh, so healing has become quite a commonly used term and for the mind almost invariably healing is the loss of something it's the loss of something in our belief structure the, the mental model of the world that's unhelpful for our happiness and so what happens in the modern world is that we accumulate this depending on how it is accumulated it, it can lead to trauma it's really important to separate out two things here so we have all collected collectively experienced trauma as part of the pandemic and lockdown even those people who feel uh evening caroline glad you could make it great to have you online even those people who feel and there are a few that i've spoken to hi susie uh who say oh, i loved it you know i just loved i didn't have to do all of the things that i don't like doing and, and so on and so forth now uh, being separated from other human beings is a traumatizing experience and we might be able to sublimate that somehow we might be able to um distract ourselves but what's actually happening is is we're being separated from the tribe and the tribe isn't just our family there's not that's not enough in a modern family nuclear family half a dozen 10 even 15 people really it's got to be bigger than that uh, and, and so you may have your friends and so on but you probably didn't see much of them so there's there's this there's this common trauma and that's that's a very real thing and then there's also another thing which is PTSD I use the word classic PTSD these things get conflated in a very annoying way by people who really should know better classic PTSD is a highly debilitating condition that the sufferer has normally done absolutely nothing to create uh, and it is it's not really does doesn't really respond that well to meditation except in one area assistance to sleep 
which is a huge thing actually just that one thing so it's worth it's worth working uh, with PTSD sufferers with meditation to help them uh, sleep uh, but really it, it, it it's yoga works better for PTSD sufferers no doubt yoga is huge for PTSD sufferers so really statistical benefits uh, but for trauma people who've been traumatized and and so if we look at the take the the lockdown and pandemic induced anxiety that's become predominant as part of all of our lives that we're either encountering ourselves in our or in others um that that's a, a trauma insofar as it can be healed so what's happened is that we've got a culture a society where a large group of people so i was listening to this fascinating psychologist and he wrote down this little list let me get it right here we go there's a lack of social bonds i mean that's a kind of social issue um, for example uh, study that goes back at 2018 2017 2018 something like that that popped up in front of me the other day uh an explanation that london was the loneliness capital of europe this is pretty easy to identify lonely people you ask people and you say are you lonely and they'll say yes you know and so we were the we were the the, the loneliness capital of europe there were another couple of lonelier places, but they were nowhere near as big as London. So we're suffering from a lack of social bonds. This is a growing thing. It's a thing that I've noticed really keenly ever since I began teaching. And I just call it the fragmentation of society. You know, people move away, people, relationships fail young people move off in the hope of a better life and so on and so forth uh, and uh, so everybody gets scrambled up and, and separated over and over and over again so there's a need to continually repeatedly rebuild your social connections <clears throat> so a lot of the benefit that i hear back from people is their capacity to do that and then so that's the first thing lack of social bonds then the other thing is um a lack of meaning making so purpose and meaning in life why am i here what's it all about and then there's a thing called free floating anxiety so having being a person who i suppose you could probably say i'm a recovering um anxious person um having been somebody who experienced anxiety that was debilitating couldn't go into work and also in the process of working through it all the process is that the training that I, I i did to release a lot of my remember i mentioned that there's a lot of unhelpful beliefs let go of those uh that often i was working 
with what I called, I used to used to name everything. It's an important part of the process is to name how you feel. And I would often be working with general, what I call general anxiety. So I couldn't identify the cause, but it was there. So you get up in the morning, feel anxious, go to bed, feel anxious, wake up in the night, feel anxious, and not necessarily be able to pin, pin it down. So those three things, there's, there's other bits and bobs he spoke about. Lack of social bonds, lack of meaning, ikigai, which is a an Okinawan Japanese word that you, you probably, you may have heard about. Um, it's quite commonly used. It was discovered in the Blue Zones study where they went around the world and found the happiest, longest living groups of people. And one of those groups was in Okinawa. And in Okinawa, they uh, have this concept of ikigai, which is the, the thing that gets you out of bed in the morning. That's the actually the phrase that they use to describe the word. You know, I want to get up to do X, where X is something that's fulfilling. Fulfillment's an important word, because interestingly, those two things, purpose and loneliness, fulfillment comes into both of them. And fulfillment is the, the sense that you don't need anything other than you have. So if I'm um, sitting in a bus stop in the rain, I, I, I don't feel the desperate need, or, well, you know, under the shelter. A bus will be along at some point, there I am. Maybe I don't have a signal, so I can't surf the internet. Stuck. Just me, my mind, my experience, the sensory experience. No bus. That experience, is it fulfilling? If it's not fulfilling, it's because of some thought process or some emotional state that arises to intervene between the sensory experience the, the movement of sound, sound of the rain, splashing of the water, the lights, the smell, which is, is fulfilling, or can be. Something's getting in between my experience of that and my awareness of it, and often that something is something unhelpful for my happiness. So, at a very fundamental level, it's important to be able to connect to the present moment in a fulfilling way, in a frictionless way. And that's the, the focus that I take on meditation now, is for it to be as frictionless as possible. So that's what we'll do today, is... is frictionless meditation and light touch focus on our inner and external experience. Let me just make sure that the Zoom's set up so it doesn't cut off the bell. I know how important that is. So I believe As, as far as I'm concerned now, <laughs> those, those sort of meditations 
I find regenerative. You know, they um, if I'm in a bit of a doldrum because of something, because you know the modern world's full of doldrums. That can that's set up. And so if you just want to get yourselves comfortable, and we'll begin by noticing the movement of the sound of the bell through time. Allow the sound of the bell to carry your awareness through time. sound of the bell and the movement of the belly as it rises and falls. They combine to provide us with an awareness. of the movement of the present moment. And then whatever sounds there are, and the sound need not necessarily be something that we assume is meditative. For instance, where I am at the moment, there's a helicopter police helicopter cruising around Bromley for some reason. Well, an emergency service is one in any case, so that's the, that's the sound, there it is. And I'm able to notice the combination of the continuation of the sound and the continuous movement of the belly rising and falling.
And when we're noticing the breath, ideally we're noticing the continuity of the breath. We're noticing the progress of the movement of the belly through the rising of the belly and the progress of the movement of the belly through the falling of the belly. Rising, falling. This draws us into the most minimal the finest present moment that we can find present moment with very little in it Just the progress of time. And we can check in with our physiology. <coughs> Let the arms hang down by the sides. With the elbows at the side, the feet on the floor. Most usefully, although comfort comes first. And the head balanced comfortably on top of the spine. And then we're noticing the movement of the belly. And we're vaguely aware of the passage of sound through time. We just need to bring our awareness to those parts of the body that 
build up tension as we breathe out. Bring your attention to one part of the body, could be the back and sides of the neck or the shoulders. We can bring your attention to a number of parts of the body, the face, the shoulders, the jaw, the eyes, the hands, the back. torso, hips, whatever part of your body's accumulated stress and tension. Just noticing that part of the body, allowing relaxation to wash through it. By focusing on it during the out-breath. So we're breathing out the tension. We can notice time passing through that experience as well. Staying with the progress of the out-breath and the progress of the awareness as it moves down over the parts of the body with tension usually works best if we move down, down from the forehead, eyes, cheeks, jaw, back and sides of the neck, shoulders, arms, hands, torso, hips, legs, feet, always in downward direction. And notice that that moves through time.
and then allowing yourself to notice the totality of the breath largely as the movement of the chest and abdomen and belly and the rising and falling of the shoulders we are allow our minds to be free then there's less of a sense of specific place in our awareness our awareness can encapsulate distant sounds passing airplane could be miles away traffic voices sounds closer to you your body whatever comfort or warmth or relaxation there is and the breath and the thoughts and emotions all happening in the same large space so the sense of a boundary between us and our environment diminishes we become part of the universe because our sensory awareness is including our inner experience and an outer experience at the same time and then there's the mind and we may have a a sense of location for where the mind is for instance we may feel it's in our head or that it's all around us or it's above us it doesn't really matter And so the mind is the source of thought 
and often that thought comes packaged with emotion. So what we're going to do is develop our awareness of the mind as something that we can be directly aware of. So our thoughts arise into a space. If, for example, our thoughts are the inner dialogue, chattering away. Essentially, we're listening internally to that. If it's the sense of something, we're feeling it. If it's symbols or images, we're seeing them. So what we do is place, with a very, very light touch, our awareness on the surface of the mind. And we can do that by waiting for thought to arise. And by bringing our attention to the origin of it, wherever it might happen to be the physical location in the three-dimensional space that we're in, wherever the mind is. So it's as if we're listening at the boundary of the mind for the next thought. And then when thought arises, we might be drawn into thought. It might be powerful, might be intense. It might be alluring. Might draw us into a scenario, the past, the future, imaginary scenario, a mind-wandering session, whatever it might happen to be. when we notice that, we can note it if we wish, saying in the mind, thinking, thinking. Or not, we can just maintain our awareness on the thought or on the origin of the thought.
clutter if your mind drifts away. Just gently draw it back to the mind as an awareness of the mind rather than as part of the mind's creation of scenarios. And another thing you can do instead is waiting for thoughts to arise. Naming the thoughts based on whether we recognize them. So if it's a, a thought about a thing we think about all the time or it's a, a thought that we know about, an old friend, what we say in the mind is repeating. And if it's a new thought, something we don't recognize or we're not sure, if it's a thought we recognize, everything else is a big bucket. It's fleeting. Recognize it, repeating, not sure. If it takes more than the tiniest of a second, to know that it's a repeating thought, then it's fleeting. The categories don't actually matter, it's the action. And this is called noting the quality of thought. This is an incredibly powerful practice. Waiting for thoughts to arise, recognize it, repeating. Don't recognize it or you're not sure. So you can get the answer in straight away. Fleeting. Fleeting or repeating. And then back to an awareness of the surface of the mind. Wait for the next thought to arise. Repeat. practice this for the next few minutes, it's called noting the quality of thought.
And so gently returning your attention to your surroundings, the sensation of being seated, feeling of being pushed into the ground. Maybe you can smell and taste. And whatever you can see. (laughs) 